Uh, he's a he's an awesome guy with a, uh, a wonderful family, and I uh, know he loves his family very much. We're glad to have them a part of our church. Glad that you're here and a part of our church. Uh, school has started. Hey, yeah, hey, man. Uh, starting to get back into the routine of the fall and getting everything cranked up again. We have uh, several new ministries that are about to start here at Cavanaugh Church. Uh, everything from helping you recover from addictions to helping you recover from divorce to helping you finance, uh, use your finances best and, and uh, save money. Uh, so all these things will be starting in September, and we are certainly excited about that. Hope you get involved. Another big event that happens in September is our Roundup Day. And uh, let, let me remind you what Roundup Day is. Roundup Day is just rounding up our people, all right? If we could round up all the people who call Kavanaugh Church their home church, uh, we couldn't hold them in the two services that we have. Uh, and I would love to see that occur September 22nd, Roundup Day. I'll be wearing my Western wear. And hope you will too, all right? Uh, glad that you're here today. Let me uh, uh, just have a shout out to our live stream people and especially Christy Evans. Christy's watching this morning. Uh, everybody let Christy know that you love her and pray for her. And uh, Christy, can't wait to see you. We are, we are praying for you. In the 2007 film, The Bucket List... Two terminally ill men, played by Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, take a road trip to do the things they always said they would do before they kicked the bucket. Well, just before the film's release, Nicholson was interviewed for an article in a magazine, and among other things, he said this, We all want to go on forever, don't we? We fear the unknown. Everybody goes to that wall, yet nobody knows what's on the other side. That's why we fear death. Well, that may be the way he feels about it, but that's not true for the people of God who have His Word and we know what's on the other side. So open your Bibles with me to the very last chapter of the Bible, the last chapter of the book of Revelation, and I want to read the two last verses in the Bible. Revelation chapter 22, verses 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The last verses of the Bible tell us the next great event that we are to expect, and that is the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. These last two verses contain the last recorded promise of Jesus and the last recorded prayer of a saint. So let's look at those two things this morning. First of all, our Savior's final response. This is the last recorded promise of Jesus. Verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Now, this was not a new revelation of Jesus. In fact, back in John chapter 14, He told His disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you 
to myself. And after the resurrection, Jesus was about to ascend to the right hand of the Father. He, he met his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus ascended right before their very eyes. As they were looking at Jesus going up, two angels appeared and said to them, Why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which you have seen go away into heaven shall come back in the same way that you have seen him go. So I'm saying all that to tell you, Jesus is coming again. Right? Jesus is coming again. And Jesus himself repeats this promise three times in the very last chapter of the Bible. Revelation 22 verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And then in verse 12, Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. And then in this verse we just read, verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. So, he's coming. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming quickly. Now, there are some things we need to know about his coming. Three things specifically. First of all, his coming is certain. Again, I'm going to read verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely, or yes, I am coming quickly. I want you to notice that Jesus is the one testifying here. The he who testifies is Jesus. And the word testify is the word that is often translated witness in the New Testament. Jesus is giving his sworn testimony that he will return. It's certain. It's a done deal. Jesus is coming again. And the word surely, surely I am coming. Some translations use the word yes. Yes, I am coming. No matter if you take it surely or yes, it is a marker of certainty. The same word is used in Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. Surely or yes, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be, exclamation mark, amen. Yes, surely, Jesus is coming back. We have his word. His coming is certain. Secondly, his coming is soon. Again, there are some translations who translate this verse, Yes, I am coming soon. And in the original language, the word soon means soon. You need to know that very simple truth. It will happen, and it could be at any time. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, this next week, this next year. We really don't know when, but we know it will be soon. I've already said this, but I'll repeat it. This is the next event in God's calendar. It's the next great event. Jesus is coming, and His coming is is soon. 
I just thought of that song, Soon and Very Soon. Anybody remember that one? Soon and very soon. I won't, I won't sing it, but yeah. But what about, what about those scoffers amongst us? What about you doubters? Really, you're thinking? I mean, I mean how many years ago was that that, that that he said that to John? I'll tell you, it was 2,000 years ago he said it. And so there are a lot of people, especially unsaved people, yeah, all right, so what, big deal, yeah, sure, sure. Peter saw this as well. In fact, in his letters, he talks about the second coming of the Lord. And he saw, he foresaw how in the last days there would be scoffers at this very point. And he wrote about it. For example, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. Peter says, they will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So he is predicting people are going to say, okay, where is it? You Christians talk about the second coming of Jesus. When's it going to be? You know, we've always had these people who predict. Uh, I can remember uh, back when I was pastoring at Western Hills uh, in Fort Worth, Texas, years and years ago, back in the, the early 80s, uh, there was a prediction that came out in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Uh, the, the end of the world is coming. Jesus is coming back. And it gave the date. And, you know, uh, it kind of took me back to years gone by when a lot of people were predicting. And especially back in the, like, 1800s, people would predict the second coming of Jesus. And there would be great revivals. And then he didn't come. And there would be more doubters. Well, back in the early 80s, that prediction, you know, just kind of came and went. Jesus didn't come back. And that's what Peter is writing about here. There's, you know, people are going to scoff. He, he promised he's coming, but where is he? Well, 2 Peter 3.8, Peter went on to say, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a single day. Now, if you take this literally... It means, according to this equation, Jesus has only been gone two days. And then in verse 9 of 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter went on to say, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness, but He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And there, my friends, is the reason for the delay in the second coming of Jesus Christ. When He comes, it's going to be too late to be saved. Let me restate that. When Jesus comes again in the clouds to redeem His church, it's going to be too late to get right with God. But God doesn't want anyone to perish. God is in the process of populating heaven. And He wants people to come to repentance. But make no mistake about it, He is coming again, and it could be at any time. Chapter 3, verse 10 of Second Peter, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And that leads me to the next thing that you need to know about the promised coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. His coming will be sudden. It's not only sure, it's not only soon, His coming will be sudden. Jesus said, surely I am coming quickly. Now again, 
He is coming. It could be this very moment, but not necessarily this very moment. However, it does mean that when He does come, when the events begin to transpire, they will unfold quickly. Okay? I mean, He's not here. Bam! He's here. It's going to be quick. It reminds me of being with a friend at the hospital years ago, and my friend was getting ready to go into surgery. And it's like most hospitals, hurry up and wait. Things got a little delayed that morning, and we waited, 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 and then suddenly, all of a sudden, a nurse popped into the room. She had a cart. She loaded him, and they took off. And it happened quickly. That was years ago, and, and I didn't even have time to pray with the guy. I've learned since then, I pray with him early, you know? Because when that nurse comes in, bam, it's going to happen. They're going back to surgery, and it's going to be quick. And that's the way it will be with the coming of the Lord. You know, we are told so much of what will accompany the return of Jesus. And once He appears, all of these things the Bible says about the second coming will happen. They will transpire. And it will be quick. So that's our Savior's faithful promise. Surely, yes, mark it down. I am coming quickly. The second thing I want you to notice is the saint's fervent prayer. This is the last recorded prayer of a saint in the Bible. Jesus said, surely I am coming quickly. And John responded to that, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. Here's a note that I wrote down. Successful praying is always linked to and lashed with the promises of God. The best way for you to have a powerful prayer life is to lash your prayer life to the faithful promises of God. And Jesus had just made this promise, the last promise in the Bible. Behold, I am coming quickly. So John being a servant of Jesus, coupled his prayer to that promise. Amen. Even so, come on, Jesus. There's evidence that this prayer, come Lord Jesus, was a common prayer, prayed publicly and frequently by the early church. In fact, the same prayer is found in 1 Corinthians 16.22 in its Aramaic form. O Lord, come. Got me to thinking. We don't pray that prayer nearly enough or very often. Maybe because we're not thinking about the second coming of Jesus. Could possibly be because we're not anticipating it. We're, we're, we're not really wanting it. We're, we're so wrapped up in this world and the problems of today and living today that we've totally forgotten about the second coming of Jesus. We need to recover that prayer. It's lashed to a promise that Jesus made. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Now, some of you have commented over the past couple of, of weeks about these sermons on heaven and, and how they've made you start thinking more and more about heaven and, and more and more about wanting to go there. It's interesting the color of the hair of the people who have made that comment to me. Kind of a reflection of my own. Hopefully some of you younger folks are starting to think about it as well, though. It's going to happen, and we need to be ready. 
But here's what I've thought of. You know, the more we look around at this old world that we're living in and all of the evil and wickedness and sin, it makes you want to say, even so, come Lord Jesus. Get me out of this mess. You see, this is not just John's prayer. Even so, come Lord Jesus. It's our prayer. It's our prayer. This is our prayer number one in the face of suffering. Remember, the Apostle John is exiled on a remote island, far from his family and his friends. It was no Mediterranean island spa he was on. He was imprisoned, and he was suffering. For all John knew, he would die there. And so John, in the midst of his suffering, heard his Savior say, I am coming soon. And John said, Okay, Lord, I'm ready. Amen. Let it be so. Come, Lord Jesus. And John wasn't the only one suffering. The believers in the churches who received the book of Revelation were undergoing the same kind of suffering. And so it has been down through the ages that the people of God have put their hope in the return of Christ and the events that will be set in motion, that will climax in our glorious hope and home in heaven. Listen to me, church. We all go through suffering. Every one of us. And when you think you've gone through your share of it and no more can come, watch out. That's just part of the life that we're living on this planet. Troubles can come out of nowhere. You're clicking along and everything is great, and then all of a sudden, James tells us that we're face-to-face with a new set of problems. There is suffering. You will face suffering until the day you die. And it's going to intensify. (laughs) But you can mark it down. One of two things are going to happen. In the midst of all this suffering, number one, either Jesus Christ will bust open that eastern sky and he will come back for his church and for his redeemed and take you out of the suffering, which would be awesome. Or number two, you're going to die and go to heaven. He's going to snatch you out of the suffering here through death. But in the meantime, God is going to sustain you with His grace and with His hope. In fact, it was Paul who said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Paul is saying, hey man, you know, however bad your suffering is, It can't even be compared to how great heaven is going to be. So here's our prayer in the face of suffering. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Secondly, this is our prayer in the face of injustice. You know, we we look around us all the time and we see injustice done. We lose our job. We're cheated out of our retirement. We see criminals prosper. We see wicked people in power. 
Injustice all around. You know, makes you so mad you want to spit. That's what we used to do in West Texas. Is just... <laughs> I heard one guy say, it makes me so mad I want to punch a wall. Go ahead. Yeah. Injustices are everywhere. And mostly there's not a thing we can do about them. But here's the good news. The return of Jesus Christ means that Christ will set in motion the great high court of heaven. You say, well, what's that all about, preacher? Listen to this theology spoken in Romans chapter 2, verse 5. Paul said, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you, are, you sinful man, is storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. That's kind of the holy side of His second coming. It, it will set in motion this court scene where the righteous judge of the universe will sit on His judgment throne and He will judge man according to His works. And Paul told us here in Romans, we are storing up all of this wickedness and all of this evilness and all of this wrath against God's wrath. And one day it's going to be judged. Doesn't it tick you off when people do things to you that are wrong? You know? And they say things about you that aren't true? And you, you, you know, it makes you mad and you just want to get even? You know, you can't because you got to turn the other cheek, you know. Come on, huh? God's going to take care of it one day. All the injustice, he will judge. And you're thinking, okay, okay, he's going to do that to those who are sinful. What about those of us who have been saved and are trying to live for the Lord? What does this great judgment throne scene and hold for us? Well, 2 Timothy 4.8 now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, and here it is, the righteous judge will award me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved and longed for His appearing. So, let's pray. Come on, Lord. <laughs> Even so, come, Lord Jesus. This is our prayer, not only in times of suffering, but also as we face injustices. God's going to take care of it. Then thirdly, this is our prayer in the face of Christ. All of this means that one day, listen to me, all of this means that one day we are going to see Him face to face. The same guy who wrote this, John, in 1 John 3, 2 said, Dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. We're going to see God. We're going to see Jesus face to face. Now remember who John was. He was one of the twelve disciples. He had a very close relationship with Jesus. He was the one that at the Lord's Supper leaned upon Jesus. 
The Bible refers to John as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, I know Jesus loved all of his disciples, but there was a special love and a special relationship that he had with John. John was present with Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. He was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he was at the foot of the cross when Jesus entrusted the care of his mother Mary to John. No one knew John better or Jesus better than the Apostle John. So he prayed, Amen. Come on, friend. Come, Lord Jesus. He wanted to see his Savior. He wanted to see his friend. Here's the point to you and me. The closer we are to Jesus in this life, the more our heart aches and yearns for his return. The more you long to see his face. I can remember as a kid singing a song entitled, When We See Christ. And the words of the refrain capture this thought. The song says, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus was teaching his disciples about the signs of the end times. And he told them, here's what's going to happen right before I come back. There are going to be wars and there will be rumors of wars. There are going to be earthquakes, all kinds of persecution. There will be global terror. I read the paper this morning. <laughs> Dude, sounds like, sounds like 2013 to me. And he said, in light of all this, at that time, when all this is happening, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, persecution, global terror, at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, Jesus said, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. It's just around the corner. It could happen at any moment. Jesus is coming again. I told the people in the first service as I was uh, working on this sermon and writing these words, my mind and heart went back to when I was a kid growing up in Midland, Texas at the West Side Free Will Baptist Church. It's been a long time ago. I mean, I'm, turned, I'm getting old. Huh? And I got to thinking, you know, that how things change. J just really, just over... A few short years, you know, just over 45 years, how things change, how people change, how churches change. When I was a kid, my pastor, I mean, 
He wasn't afraid to preach on hell because he did it all the time. He preached on heaven. He preached on the second coming of Jesus. It's almost like he brainwashed us. Because quite literally, we talked about it all the time. As a family, I can remember my family. As I was a little boy, we would talk about Jesus coming back and that it could be at any moment. And my parents firmly warned me, William, you you need to make sure you're ready. Jesus could come back. It could be today. I remember a road trip we took with, uh, with my aunt. Uh, Aunt Pat, Kate's, I think we were going to a national. And for, for hours on that road trip, we talked about the second coming of Jesus. We talked about Jesus bursting through the sky and coming back and the clouds parting and there would be Jesus. And I would say, as a little boy, I thought about that. It made a huge impression, not only in my mind, but in my heart. I can remember as a little kid going outside and looking up at the sky and wondering, is it going to be today? How is that sky going to bust open? Could it be right now? I would go to bed at night thinking, you know what? When I wake up, is Jesus going to be back? And as I thought about all that, I just, you know, I looked in the mirror and I looked at myself and I said, shame on you, Will. Because you haven't been thinking those thoughts in a long time. You had not been preaching that. And it needs to be preached. We need to be thinking about His second coming. Because it's certain. It's going to happen. It's soon. And it will happen quickly. I don't know if you've started a bucket list. Interesting, when I was looking up that movie, The Bucket List, how many websites are devoted to people who have started making bucket lists of things they want to do before they kick the bucket. In fact, one website was 10,000 things you need to do (laughs) before you kick the bucket. I don't know what's on your bucket list of things you want to do or intend to do before you die. But there should be one thing at the very top of the list. One thing that you need to deal with today, one thing you need to do today, and it all has to do with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you ready to meet him? I can remember my preacher saying, He could come back before you eat lunch. Are you ready to meet him? Are you? If not, we can show you how you can be. It's as simple as ABC. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus. See, confess him as Lord of your life. But also, if you're here today and you are a Christian, are you living it? I mean, if he came back today, if he came back right now, Would he be proud of you because of the life you're living? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts right now as only you can. And Lord, for those who are here that uh, have never received you as Lord and Savior of their life, I pray that they would come and accept you.
have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. Be prepared for your second coming. Lord, for those of us who, who are Christians, who are saved, I pray that we'd look at our own life and, and see if there is something or someone or some things that need to be changed, dealt with, done away with, 